I'd like to welcome everyone tonight. I think you're all here to learn how to meditate. You're welcome to use whatever technique you're familiar with, and I'll explain some basics about this practice. Meditation, only in the last 15 years, maybe 20, has become more popular, more accepted, and more mainstream. But it is an ancient practice that's been around for thousands of years. And it's been a tool that human beings have used in all those years to support spiritual inquiry, to support understanding, to help human beings to realize their full potential. In our modern age, you might notice that there is less and less focus on quiet and there is more and more focus on stimulation in every way sound color smells taste physical and sensual expression of every kind in an unlimited way we might even say in extremist, radical ways, and in ways that break boundaries unhealthily, to the extent that sometimes people get obsessed with finding just the perfect, the perfect color, the perfect dress, the perfect house, the perfect holiday, the perfect symphony, or the perfect rock band. I don't know if there is such a thing. <laughs> But to go to the heights of sensual excitement and pleasure beyond anything that is really skillful. We've lost or we're losing rapidly a few things. One of them is a connection with silence, a connection with nature. We love to go for a stroll, we love to watch a sunset, but even then, how many times do you find people bringing along a camera and taking pictures of it all instead of just being with it without doing something to it or trying to do something to it. So we've lost the ability to be with each other in silence. We've gone beyond certain boundaries of our values, even our most core values. We disintegrate our family life through using sensual expression as the end of our happiness, as our highest goal, instead of valuing the more simple joys where relationship itself is important and values are uppermost in our community. All those boundaries are being broken in the name of seeking happiness. Now, if you analyze the state of the world after this acceleration of seeking happiness by dispensing with things that used to be sacrosanct, is the world a happier place? No. Is it a more peaceful place? No. Are human beings individually happier? There's a lot more mental illness. There's a lot more physical illness that results from abuse of food and substances from stress, from living with too much speed in our life, too eager to pursue our goals, 
too pressured by each other, by our society, by the media. But essentially, whatever we're pressured by on the outside, we've created it. And so we have to take responsibility for the choices we make. We are architects of our lives, of our societies, of our governments, of our world. We are not governing ourselves skillfully. Even our children. There's more attention deficit disorder. There are so many syndromes that are, are manifesting in children. There's more obesity in children. There are illnesses that only appeared in adults before that now children are manifesting as a result of this very happiness-oriented society, which is on many levels pretty miserable. How many people I know who used to be pretty happy are now in broken relationships or getting marriage counseling or singles counseling if they're not in couples therapy or their own therapy, they're on some kind of medication just to cope with the stress. And we know, we know this is what's happening. This practice of meditation has been a tremendous medicine for people, medicinal on many levels. And I think the most important thing for us is to learn how to heal ourselves in the heart, on the level of the mind and the heart and where they are connected. To learn how to govern ourselves. We're not going to govern from chaos, but how to govern from an intuitive wisdom. And this is by finding, again, the connection of ourselves from the inside with the core of what we are, which we are estranged from. It's a way of reestablishing the most intimate relationship we can have. That intimacy is a frontier that we are frightened of. Many of us are afraid it's, it's unknown, it's scary, so we'd rather just distract ourselves being busy and filling up the silence with noise. We're going to try to cross that frontier for a few minutes. And before we actually sit to meditate, I'd like to describe to you how this process works so that you will go into it voluntarily rather than feeling coerced because you were told that this was a good thing to do and you should all show up tonight. <laughs> but maybe now you're having doubts and really like to tiptoe out the door. The approach in this particular stream of meditation is based on mindfulness. Mindfulness of the breath. Mindfulness means that the mind is focused by training the mind, we learn how to become very stable and one-pointed. We practice conscientious attention and alertness. Compare that to what we do most days. We get out of bed, throw on some clothes, run a toothbrush across your teeth, grab a piece of bread or a hot cup of coffee and rush out the door. 
unless you're retired. And then if you're retired, you know, jump out of bed and go to the gym or, <laughs> or go to some book club. You're going to have a schedule and you're going to be running. But it's stressful. Even retirement becomes stressful. So it's the opposite of attention because instead of focusing on one thing, we are all over the place. Our lives are full to the brim, exploding with activity. And we're very distracted. If you think about kids suffering from attention deficit disorder, you wonder why. It's all around them. Probably when they were in utero, their mom was running around frantically trying to get ready for the birth. This is communicated at some level. That's not documented, so don't quote me. <laughs> but I have a sense that this is what happens. So the first thing is that instead of practicing distraction, we're going to practice attention. Now, what are we going to pay attention to, you must wonder. We're going to sit here with eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to take off your glasses because we're going to practice looking inwards instead of looking outwards. Looking outwards, we're constantly filled with the sights of things, people, events, what's happening. What is attracting my attention? What do we have to pay attention to because of our jobs, commitments, responsibilities, or just the functioning in life? Have to get on a train, have to get on a bus, have to drive a car, have to turn left, turn right, press an elevator button, put a kettle on. We have to pay attention, but we are constantly running from one attention to the other. In this practice, looking inward, we're paying attention to something neutral and steady. And we start with the body. The body is an object that is easy to get hold of. It's completely available. Not another person's body, our own body. <laughs> You're going to be looking inward. So it's very simple. You don't have to travel anywhere. This is a portable technique. Just to focus on the feeling of your body, what it feels like, or the feeling of your breath, what it feels like. And whatever sound comes into the mind, just hearing it for the first time, not with an opinion, oh, I like it, oh, it's great, oh, I can't focus on my breath because of this sound. No opinions, no thinking, just pure feeling and pure listening. Whereas when we're functioning in the world, what are we constantly using to function? Thoughts. Our minds are constantly producing thoughts from morning, noon, and night. Silence is not a big part of it at all. But here we're entering into the silence of not thinking. It's very difficult. By focusing on the body, we turn the mind away from the thinking process. Consciously. As soon as you notice that you're thinking, stop thinking. And if you feel any discomfort, whether it's mild, chronic, or severe pain, when you're meditating, your job is to focus on the pain and use the pain itself as your meditation object. Never try to get rid of it. 
sit absolutely still. Don't use old tactics or strategies or coping mechanisms. Just try to notice your pain and investigate it. So we're not idly sitting here looking at our breath because if you can sit and watch your breath for four million times, you'll be perfectly happy. It's not some magic formula like that. It's really the kind of looking that we practice which is important. It's the kind of looking an anthropologist uses when he watches a bird, watches every movement it makes and writes down how many times it goes from one branch to another, how many times it lifts its head or flutters or any movement. The anthropologist is taking notes and writing it all down. That kind of observation. Why? Because we are trying to learn how we work. How this composite of mind and body works. Who's in charge here? Or who is this person? What is this process, really? And what we are about to learn is quite amazing. And we are all going to learn the same thing. That's why this is so important for all human beings. If one human being learns this process and how to investigate this internal process through the practice of mindfulness and directed meditative inquiry, we learn about all human beings. It's a science, really. It's an art. It's both. It's everything. It's a universal teaching. It's not specific to our religion. It's specific to humankind, womankind, mankind, beings. This particular way of investigation is a proven way of healing the mind. I think that it will help you to serve in your work. But you will find other benefits. If you heal the conflicted refrains that are driving your own life and that often lead to physical illness, then you may experience some healing benefits. How can I use this practice of stilling my heart and offer it as a skill in situations here at hospice? Someone is trying to cope with the news that they're at death's door or their family is haranguing them and attached to them, preventing them from letting go. All the situations that you're going to run into here, meeting death, understanding death, learning for ourselves our own attitudes towards pain, death, fear, anxiety, sickness, suffering. So this is an invaluable tool, not just as hospice volunteers or workers, but as servants of peace in this world, in our lives, for each other, for ourselves. We use this practice, this simple act of going inward and emptying the mind of thought so that we can be alone with ourselves at last to bring some stillness into our lives and review how we're living to see where is the real happiness to be found. It's not by getting rid of pain, necessarily, but it's by using pain as our teacher.
So how do you do that? By sitting with pain and letting the pain be the object of our concentration. You concentrate the mind on your pain. It's just painful feeling. Sometimes painful feeling is not as painful as we think. But as soon as our consciousness becomes aware of a little bit of pain, what else rears its ugly head with it is fear or anxiety or association with all the suffering that has arisen around that little signal in the past. And that sets us off into a mechanism of pain-fear, pain-fear, which we're not even aware of and we can't distinguish. But if we're able to be still with the pain and notice our ability to be strong and steady and stable because we have the power to do that, then the pain will start to speak to us. And we may notice layers of pain that we never, we had no idea were there. We start to find out the roots of that pain and how deep they run. And this is a way, not that we ever get rid of that pain, but we may make peace with it so that it's no longer a pain. It's just something that we live with. Suffering is a great teacher. It really depends on our ability to investigate and see how this mind and body work and where this investigation into the emptiness. When we start investigating the emptiness, we cross the frontier into intimacy with ourselves and we discover that intimacy with ourselves is the source of pure joy. And whenever we're unable to feel joy, it's because we cannot cross that chasm. We don't know the bridge or how to get there. We haven't figured out how to access it. That's all. It's always there. But we've built walls around it. Gates bolted, locked away. We're in our own prison. And our prison has so many labels. You can call it a terminal illness, or a chronic headache, or multiple sclerosis, or a single parent, you're an immigrant. There are a million reasons that we can blame our suffering on, and they're all invalid. But don't believe me. I invite you. <laughs> this is just my my opinion based on research. I've been researching from the inside. Real joy is not obstructed by our suffering. So if we can realize that for ourselves in these few sessions, then we can bring that truth to people that are in situations where they don't know how to do that. But when you learn how to access that joy by stopping this automatic response of blaming suffering for your misery, then you can sit with others and radiate your true joyful feeling in their presence. You can listen to their fear, their panic, their anxiety without 
being affected by it, without getting shaken by it, without being disabled by it emotionally, so that we feel like we have to do something to make them feel better. We might not be able to make them feel better or help them overcome their situation, but we can communicate through a silent listening, a joyful silent listening, and an understanding, a compassion that's based on our own ability to be still, truly deeply still with whatever's happening. We communicate it to them, and that's called love. It's loving kindness and compassion. They will feel it. They will feel a certain trust. A smile is enough. Just a presence, a pure presence, without speaking even. It's very difficult to serve others when we don't know how to serve ourselves in the face of our own discomfort or despair or other forms of suffering. To get that simple feeling of happiness, you can sit down of an evening and meditate. You can be with yourself in the most intimate way and experience a depth of happiness that no one can take away from you. It's unbreakable, and you don't need a PowerPoint. (laughs) It's free. The mind is resting in itself, in its own purity. And that pure mind is an ocean of unconditional love and freedom.